1: This is Sailor. Welcome to another episode of Metal, Rock, and Whiskey. Well, hello, gentlemen. Good evening. What's up, Sailor? What's going on, guys? Hi. Hello. We have uh, Wolfman Dave again tonight with us because Ed is still at his Rock Out with Your Cock Out Festival. Or
2: Got a lot Lots of uh, got a lo- got a lot of feedback on that on social media. <laughs>
1: That's what she said. Sing a ling a ling, pun intended. <laughs> oh, I'm just here to be inappropriate all night. <laughs> That's
2: all right. I tried to come up with an acron a different story today, and you know, but I couldn't think of anything clever. I think
1: we got to just let this one stand. We
2: got to let it stand. Yeah, I think it's I think it's worth multiple weeks here. Yeah, what I mean. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. We need someone to, We need someone to make terrible dad jokes. When I was not just going to say anyway. like
1: yeah, yeah. There's nobody doing terrible dad jokes, so I have to do it when it's not here. It's fair, <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Pardon me tonight everybody. I have horrible allergies. I walked outside this morning and there's like an inch of pollen on my car, so I cannot breathe. It's terrible. very well through my nose so i will do my best to have a good radio voice but i'll probably sound like fran from the nanny so I, apologize. I feel like
2: i feel like i have friends from all over the country who have been taking photos of their cars covered in pollen is it like super high much higher this year for some reason
1: um i mean or is it was
2: just, just like par for the course or just noticing yeah. i think yeah. it has been yeah because yeah. i
1: didn't live here last spring i've never been here for a spring so i don't know i can't tell you up here but um I don't know. It, I have bad allergies anyway, so.
2: Yeah, Fuck I mean, Colin, man. And I have friends in, like, in North Carolina and Midwest, like, taking pictures of their car. And I'm like, it's is it everywhere but where I live? I have no idea. But, yeah, well. Yeah. Know. Oh, well.
1: Oh, well. So, you know, you guys, I'm really excited about all of the changes that are happening. Um, for the listeners, you may have noticed depending on where you listen to us, that the little icon has changed. You may notice that it's now the Spirit of Rock Network logo. And uh, you may or may not know that we have launched a network which hosts all of our shows now um, and some new shows that are coming up that we're really excited about. You may have also heard a promo... um, Last week and this week for a brand new show that Matt and Jenny are hosting called Wrestling with Respect. So that's super exciting, and we can't wait for a full episode of that coming in what two weeks from now. Yeah, like yep. June
2: eleventh. June eleventh. Uh, yeah, we got a couple more promos coming out for you, uh, but June eleventh the the product drops finally. So mm-hmm. we awesome! We are excited.
1: I'm excited too. I can't wait. I know uh-huh. I've heard a little bit, um, and I'm really—I I, I actually have not heard a full episode, so I'm—I'm I'm waiting to be surprised. <laughs> and of course, we have pretty good for a girl that is continuing on, and we have some really great interviews and great topics coming up. And um, we also have a new show that um, we will have a sneak peek of that I think next week called Love on the Rocks, and that is myself. And uh, Kayla, mixologist and bartender extraordinaire. And we're going to be nerding out big time on cocktail stuff. Um, but in oh. a way that you can understand it if you don't know what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> um, but like super nerding out on the history of stuff. And we like to argue about, you know, w- like the ways you can make cocktails and tips and tricks. And it's super fun. Um, we have a good time. So uh, that will be coming out soon as well. Um, And we do expect a few more shows to be launched this year on the new network. So we are very excited. So um, each show has its own designated day of the week um, so that you won't get confused. Um, And we hope that you are enjoying um, the new format. And uh, we hope that you will continue to support us because we couldn't have done any of this without you. I, I have to say how... I'm always shocked at the amount of downloads and listeners we have when we look at our statistics every month.
3: It's like crazy. People actually <laughs> want to
1: hear us talk about that. It's crazy. Today.
3: Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: That's so always awesome. Yeah. It, it is awesome. So we have a Patreon page where you can support us even for just a buck a month helps us out a lot and you get really cool stuff for it. Um, and we have our beautiful beautiful new Glencairn etched glass um, that you can purchase as well. Uh, we will have a website launched very soon where you can easily see all of that stuff, but for now, you can just send me a message. So, um, I don't know. Am I missing any announcements? I think that's it.
2: No, those Glencairns are beautiful. Yes, they they are, are gorgeous. They are. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So get them now. Get them now. While they're hot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You don't want your Glenn Cairn to be hot.
2: <laughs> no, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> All right. So, what the hell are we doing tonight? Um,
1: we doing, Matt?
2: I don't know. If you haven't noticed, listeners, the last few weeks kind of been developing a pattern as far as bands that we've been talking about, and we will be continuing that pattern tonight. Uh, basically, our month of alternative rock from the '90s, and tonight we will be talking about. A little band called Stone Temple Pilots, and we will be battling the two epic albums, 1992's Core versus 1994's Purple. This, I feel personally, is going to be a big battle. All right, before we battle, as always, we must drink.
1: Drink, 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 drink.
2: Yes, drink.
1: drink.
2: No, no. Well, back in the old days, yes, but not.
1: True. We've back grown up. Back when We've this man up. was popular, that's yes. how I used to drink.
2: I'm or back when we first started this podcast, too.
1: Oh, that, But too. that's
2: a different story for a that different day. Uh, totally. Totally. <laughs> uh, so what is, everyone... Sipping on, chugging
3: tonight.
1: Dave, you go first.
3: Yeah. Sure. All right. Well, <clears throat> I'm actually not drinking alcohol, but.
1: Oh, what? Uh,
3: what?
2: Yes.
0: How dare you? But I
2: am drinking. Oh, I think you're disconnecting, Dave. Dave, I can't hear
3: you anymore. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> what I am drinking is Virgil's micro black cherry cream soda.
2: Whoa. Wow. Uh, that I've, stuff uh, is, I've
3: had that before. That stuff is great. Yes, uh, yeah. I've been getting into a lot of like different cream sodas or anything black cherry. Uh, actually, so I'm I'm from uh, El Paso, Texas, right? And far about eight seven hours east, there's a small town Fredericksburg, which is like a German town, about an hour hour away from San Antonio. <clears throat> well, they have a nice shop that has all these sodas, and I bought one there once. And I've been on that holy grail, like that quest for the holy grail for that that one.
1: Yeah.
3: And um, I have not found it yet, but Virgil's is actually damn good. That
1: their stuff root- is really good. I love. Yeah, that their stuff. root
3: their root beer is so good too. Okay, I need to try that too. Yeah.
1: I've been making my sodas for so long. Um, growing up in New York City, my grandmother was obsessed with egg cream sodas and probably you don't know what those are if you're not from the northeast and they sound disgusting they don't they have nothing to do with an egg i don't know why but that's what they're called um but it had to be from this specific place and, and it's like a specific way and her generation because later i grew up and worked in a deli a jewish deli mm-hmm. that was like a breakfast joint for the college kids and yeah. the people her age would come in and ask for it and I'm like oh my god I know exactly how to make it because the other servers would be like what and I'm like no no, no I got this <laughs> and so um then when I started bartending I learned how easy it was to make soda duh <laughs> you know flavored soda water so I was like oh I'm just gonna make all my own herbal syrups and stuff like that so um Virgil's makes um i think it's like a a lavender something or they used to Mm. oh it's i can't remember exactly what it was it's so good and i've been trying to replicate that to no avail still but i will continue Mm. it sounds yummy yeah it does i am drinking whiskey of course um i'm drinking some rye and this is from the distillery that i used to work at in southwest ohio indian creek distillery i have not i had a couple sample bottles left that i've been carrying with me and i honestly have not opened them because it's a craft distillery and they have um some of the oldest stills in the world uh that are still working and operational double Mm. copper pot stills and and it's true i know there's a lot of these stories out there but they didn't even know that. I don't think they would have even cared to tell a story like that. But someone came in and did the providence and history on them. Super cool. But they have a very unique flavor. Very unique flavor. And um, some people like it. Some people don't. It's funky. And I love it. But it smells to me like the distillery. It smells like the farm. And it makes my heart <laughs> ache a little bit. So I miss, <laughs> brings I miss you it ba- so Brings you much. back. It does. And it's such a distinct, specific aroma to it so um i just felt like it would be comforting tonight so that's what i'm drinking
2: very cool very oh, nice well i'm drinking something a little bit uh <clears throat> more well known i guess but uh i am drinking the dickle i am drinking george dickle
1: the dickle
2: the dickle and in particular the spicy dickle oh the, the tabasco finish right. dickle yes the one that I thought Seller would hate and she surprisingly loved.
1: I thought I would hate it too. I was, I yep. wanted to hate it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then when I read uh, Nicole's answer, well, when she was asked about it, I was like, okay, all right, I appreciate her answer. And then when you said that you liked it, I was like, all right, I'll try it. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we love the dickle here. <laughs> uh, at Spirit Rock Network because we love Nicole Austin and we interviewed her on Pretty Good for a Girl, which will be coming up soon. So,
2: yeah, Very so funny. I would, I, I, yeah, I'm excited for that one too. And I would definitely recommend this to anyone who likes number one, George Dickel, number two, uh, anything spicy. In a, hot sauce, in a hot sauce kind of way, not like a rye spice.
1: It's so perfect for... It's I think perfectly we,
2: balanced, yeah.
1: We had this discussion for, uh, I don't remember when, with Ed, and I sent him my recipe for, I make Bloody Marys with whiskey, and I use barbecue hmm. sauce, and that's all I'm going to give away. Um, <laughs> and uh, the, that dickle is perfect, excuse me, perfect for it, because um, I don't have to use a few other components So if you're into Bloody Marys and you're a whiskey fan and you wish you could have whiskey Bloody Marys, well you can, and use that George Dickel Tabasco whiskey. Boom! Free commercial.
3: I actually am curious now.
1: It's not a huge
3: investment. It's probably twenty-five bucks. Yeah. is, Is this one of your infamous lazy cocktails?
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> no, my Bloody Marys are far from lazy. They are very, they're they're pretty time consuming. If it you sounds... make a proper Bloody Mary, it should. Yeah, yeah, yes yeah, yeah.
2: Sailor has a very strong opinion on Bloody Marys. I do. I, do. No, I mean, and I'd love into it. hundred percent right too. I um, think so. Can't cut corners.
1: That's right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh boy. Alright, so I guess uh Sailor's got the whiskey segments tonight.
0: Do. Again Nice to meet you. Nice to know me. What's a message?
1: Well, you
2: show me at a good clip here with your whiskey segments?
1: <sighs> Lazy fuckers. Okay. Since you heard before that little musical interlude, I again have the whiskey segment because it seems that nobody else wants to do their fucking job around here. Just kidding. I quit. I love you guys. <laughs> okay. You know you can't quit. I know. <laughs> okay, so tonight, since we'll be discussing Stone Temple Pilots, I chose to pair George T. Stag with Stone Temple Pilots. Thanks for that. Matt, that was...
2: Oh, sorry, I'm also drinking beer, too, but
1: Mm -hmm.
2: it's neither here nor there. Continue.
1: (sighs) All right. (laughs) George T. Stagg was born in 1835 in Girard County, Kentucky. As an adult, he worked as a whiskey salesman in St. Louis and had the good fortune of meeting and teaming up with bourbon icon E.H. Taylor Jr. Together, they built the most dominant American distillery of the 19th century. Um, as a leading expert at the time, sorry, a leading expert at the time declared the distillery one plus ultra of its class, the absolute best of the best. This distillery is now Buffalo Trace, and I guess it kind of still was then. Stagg's salesmanship and financial acumen helped build the distillery into the world into one of the world's leading bourbon producers in 1904. It was actually rechristened to bear Stagg's name, a title that was maintained for nearly a century. Carrying on the tradition of innovation and excellence, the culmination of Stag's work that began nearly 150 years ago gives us George T. Stag Bourbon produced by Buffalo Trace. Mm-hmm. Scott Whelan's career spanned three decades. He's of course <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, here like yeah. I saw that and heard it yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, well.
1: I'm sorry Ed oh my god my cat just lost her fucking uh, mind
3: <laughs> spazzed out man
1: I was trying not to get her to jump over the cord and rip the <laughs> headphones out
2: <laughs> pussy riot <laughs>
1: <I'm just kidding. laughs> <Pardon> this <laughs> pussy riot break okay let me start over <laughs> Okay. (laughs) Scott Whelan's career spanned three decades. He's, of course, best known as the lead singer of Stone Temple Pilots, making six records with them. His flamboyance and chaos on stage made him well known as a frontman. He was also the lead vocalist of a supergroup, Velvet Revolver. He established himself as a solo artist after that, releasing three studio albums, two cover albums, and collaborations with several other well-known musicians throughout his career. In a way, these entities are similar in age. This bourbon is aged 15 years, and Stone Temple Pilots was together for 13 years before they broke up. This beautiful bourbon has a lot of strength to it. It comes through at 144 proof. With the proof this high, you often need a few drops of water or an ice cube to mellow the heat and get to all of the flavors. Much as with a personality like Scott Wieland, he needed a dose of Dean DeLeo to help him channel his heat and allow his musical talent and creativity to break through his chaotic energy. So, tasting and listening notes. In this bourbon, up front, you get toffee, sweetness, vanilla. Nothing impedes these delicious bourbon flavors. These flavors are expected from a quality bourbon, just like smooth, rich sounds are expected from a radio-friendly band. But underneath, when you dig a little more, you realize that the sweetness is a little more substantial. And in a minute, you're stuck in molasses. It holds on to you so you can taste the dark chocolate and hear the darker themes in the music. Then dates come in, adding another layer. You didn't expect this, but with a few more sips, the sound... And the flavor is now revealing a wave of unexpected emotions, just like Vaseline to Pretty Penny. The more you sit with this music and the more you sit with this juice, the tobacco, dark berries, spearmint, coffee, they round out the palate. Just like the heaviness and the intention behind the music, the lyrics, the ribbons of guitar riffs and the undertones of bass. Whiskey needs time in a barrel to develop its flavors. Stone Temple Pilots music needed time to germinate for me. Just as American whiskey was a forgotten pleasure that struggled to find its place in the hearts and minds of Americans after Prohibition, I believe the same for Scott Wheland. He was often remembered as a voice from the past and struggled to find himself relevant in modern rock music. These men, sadly, are no longer with us. Scott Wheland, known as the voice of a generation by many, and Stag leaving an indelible mark on American whiskey. They both have left a legacy that I am happy to have and enjoy. So cheers to you, gentlemen.
2: Cheers. And there you have it. Well done.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you very much.
2: Man, stag I, I went through my phase of very high proof bourbons. Um, and you know, very few get higher than stag. You yeah. know, I guess I guess it, I guess yearly Bookers. What,
1: probably, Booker's is close, right?
2: Booker's is close, but I think yep. stag actually, you know, on a year-to-year basis averages about 70% ABV. Mm-hmm. Um man <laughs> at a time that was very I had saw it that every year but I think I I'll pass it now because I don't think I can handle I don't think I could stomach that high you're gonna
1: burn DJ. out you're gonna burn out your palate frankly yeah. you drink that all the time and you know when the bottle says to you that you should enjoy it over ice or with water you really need to listen for those people to me that are drinking high proof bourbon and that's all they drink they're they're killing their palate they're not tasting what they used to taste. And my, my humble opinion would be to let your palate rest, stay away from whiskey for a month and go back to it and see how much your palate has changed. The reason why I enjoy this is, and I always have this over ice and with water. Um, And sometimes I'll put a little dash of ginger ale in it. um, Something like that. It's definitely a fantastic I'll tell you, in the summertime, when it's super hot, and I'm looking for, I always drink very diluted cocktails, meaning a lot of components, because I want cool, light flavors. This is great for that. This is great for some quality punches. I'm probably not going to serve it to anyone but myself. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Robin gets to have some. Yeah. It's expensive as hell. But um, <laughs> what I like about these expressions is, you can totally taste the bourbon as the standout even in a punch when you have this proof. So that's really nice to have that kind of stand on top. So it's like I am definitely not meddling with the whiskey. I am full on getting that whiskey even with all of these other components that I'll always make much softer, of course. Um, Just in the the heat of the summer, you put this over ice with just some soda water, it's just killer. Mm. You know, like – two to one soda water being the one it's just it takes that that heat down it brings it down so you really can get to those flavors because you know at a at a proof level like this you're not tasting a lot because you know yeah everything's being burned away um unless you know how to aerate it properly and chill it out a little bit
2: but you had always said that you were being a bartender a proponent for higher proof whiskeys as well whiskeys, at least at least like a hundred proof whiskeys as, as being well whiskeys. Right.
1: Yes. Yeah. I, I really prefer, I don't always get to have this control, whether it be a, my budget or b the, you know, where I'm working or, or where I'm consulting, I don't always get to have this control, but my dream would be that always it's high proof whiskeys that go into cocktails because, sometimes you're diluting them with the amount of components that you're really not tasting it. And so I always say, well, then don't put a nice whiskey in there. Um, A nicer whiskey, I should say, do like a, you know, like a old granddad, hundred proof, you know, or wild Turkey 101, which is beautiful because then you get to taste them. You know, they, it will get to stand up and either just hold hands with the other ingredients or kind of come on top. And that's, to me what I'm always looking for, like an old fashioned um, low proof whiskey in old fashions for me, because you really have almost no dilution. So, you know, uh, Manhattan's as well. um, Depending on whether you shake or stir. And Kayla and I were just arguing this point recently. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So uh, this stag, I'll tell you one thing I wanted to talk about a little bit. Um, You know, it's so funny because someone asked me recently, I, I was, we were talking about bottled and bond and it was a customer and they didn't really understand it. And I said to them, you know, and I, I ended up using this as an example and this is why this came to mind to do this pairing. It's, it's, it's a shame that we're losing the age statements on our whiskeys, not to be snobby about it. Cause I don't really give a shit. All I care is if it tastes good. Um, But I'll tell you what I do miss about, you know, some bottled and bond is going away. It's getting harder to get. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, I miss things like uh, the information that you can get from some of these bottled and bonds. For example, this George T. Stag. Um, It gives you a full age profile. It gives you the full mash bill. Um, Large grain is Kentucky corn, distillers grade one and two. Small grain, Minnesota rye. Finished grain, North Dakota malted barley. They give you the cooking fermentation recipe, milling screen number 10, cooking temperature 240 degrees Fahrenheit, um, water, Kentucky limestone with reverse osmosis, all of this. I mean, it goes on and on. Um, For me, my favorite part of this is the warehouse and the floor numbers and the evaporation loss. I and I love that so much. I love that because I've been to Buffalo Trace many times, and I know where Warehouse M, N, H, L, and K are. Mm-hmm. And I've been on some floors of, of first floors only, of course, of these warehouses. they have been on floor one, two, and three. Um, and then we get to know that there was 142 hand-selected barrels. Um, there's no filtration, um, and the tasting comment. Um, is dark chocolate, coffee, and vanilla. I it's kind of like getting a little birth certificate. <laughs> it is,
2: know? yeah, it is
1: <laughs> for your. It's it, that's what it feels like to me. It's like a little birth certificate, um, and I just I just love that, and I do miss that because we're losing a lot of that. And I understand, you know, when you have to keep up with demand, um, but I do hope that a lot of our distilleries continue to do these smaller batches, smaller picks. You know these special expressions, so that we continue to keep that as part of our American whiskey history.
2: Yeah, and you know you bring up a great point about those spec sheets with the, especially the antique collection stuff that Buffalo Trace does. Um, and for consumers who are willing to spend the kind of money that retailers are asking for these bottles, it's yeah. nice that the information is out there and so in depth as you you just said. From a personal perspective, you were saying about age statements on bottles disappearing. Um, it's three times harder for me to sell a bottle to a customer no matter how much I know about it or how much I talk about it without an age statement on it you know when the aesthetic you know. of the age statement you can't put a value on that you really can't so oh, it's uh oh yeah it's I a, in a distillery sword that didn't have yeah. age
1: statements I mean it was
2: yeah it's a double-edged sword you know from it a is point of view. Yeah. yeah
1: but I I don't and I don't I definitely don't mean to sound like an asshole when I say this but the majority of people don't, I, I can tell you, because I've been out in the market for so long, they don't really equate that to a flavor, truly, the majority of them. No, they don't. Um, those that are super knowledgeable and collectors know what we know, which is, as long as it tastes right, that's really all that matters. Um, so it's, you know, it's like a good and bad thing. I kind of, I feel like I'm in the middle about it. You know, I, I do believe in, uh, truth and labeling and advertising and all of that. But, um, you know, when I f- recognize changes in flavor, that's the only time it upsets me. Yeah. And we've discussed bullet before. And, um, yes. you know, and, and again, that's a, that's a, um, that's a condition of, trying to keep up with demand and, you know, either not anticipating it or not planning for it properly or frankly, not really respecting your customers and understanding that they will know, know a difference. And that is a mistake often that brands make. I'm not saying that's what bullet did. Um, I don't, I don't want to speak poorly about them at all. Um, but that I have, it's, it happens. Um, so yeah, so it just, It just brought up a lot of interesting thoughts for me when I chose this and looking at the spec sheet. I just, I I, I was looking through some boxes. I've got tons of these from bottles that i purchased you know and i always just mm-hmm. throw them in a drawer from so long ago i remember when i got my first one i was like i should frame this hanging on the wall
2: yeah i love the i love the evap <laughs> the evap percent.
1: Oh, the evaporation like that's
2: yeah, yeah that, that was the one i was like wow okay cool <laughs>
1: Seventy-five point nine nine percent of the ori- original whiskey lost to angel share well yeah angel share but um yeah i mean and I love that they give you the stave information as well. You know, their barrels come from independent stave, um, and they they tell you that it's you know new white oak number four char charred for 55 seconds. I just, you know, as a geek, that's just the <laughs> cool. It's you know, you know all of this already. Of course, we know this, but it's still cool to look at it. I wonder right? how
2: much that I wonder how much that guy makes timing the char like with a stopwatch. 55. <laughs> it's a new record.
1: Well, I'll tell you that um, the distilleries I've worked in, well, at Indian Creek, um, our distiller heap, it sounds like a bomb go- going off when they light it on fire, especially when we reach our and I, you know, I'd be standing there doing something. He would get me every single time. <laughs> he'd tell me he was going to do it, and I'd jump fifty feet out of my skin. <laughs> um, and sometimes I'd be like, "You did that for too long," and he'd like freak out for a minute.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, well, that's the whiskey talk. Let's get into the actual discussion. Hey guys, I want to tell you about my new friends, Liquid Death. Did you know that the average aluminum can contains over 70% recycled material and the average plastic bottle contains only 3%? Aluminum is actually infinitely recyclable. I didn't know that, but it's true. Uh, Cool fact, all of the aluminum produced since 1888, over 75% of it is still in current use. That's just nuts. When plastic bottles are recycled, the plastic is such low quality that it can't be made into new bottles. That's dumb. The material is usually sold to China to make cheap carpets and textiles and a lot of that ends up in landfills. Sadly, if plastic production isn't curbed, plastic pollution will outweigh fish pound per pound by 2050. So we should all be murdering our thirst with 100% mountain water from the Alps and that's exactly what liquid death does. But how does it work, you ask? Well, let me tell you. Our proprietary thirst murdering, says liquid death, process begins with forming a rope of veins that will wrap around your thirst's head and strangle it. Once liquid death reaches your thirst's brain, all of your thirst's memories will be replaced with repeating loops of its own head imploding. Damn. Which is exactly what happens next, by causing your thirst's head to implode and its brain to squirt out of its ears. I mean, that sounds like it would work. So, a little bit about the company, it was a handful of people that started Liquid Death with the diabolical plan to completely obliterate bottled water, marketing cliches by taking the world's healthiest beverage, mountain water, and making it just as funny and stupid and entertaining as the unhealthy brands across energy drinks, soda, and beer. Also, plastic water bottles are a complete shift but aluminum cans are far and away the most sustainable beverage container by virtually every measure. So my friends, let me tell you, we all need to start murdering our thirst with liquid death mountain water. It is 100% mountain water from the Alps, truly, not like what is in most of those um, water bottles. It's usually tap water or who knows what. Um, And the cans are freaking cool. And the name is freaking cool. And it's a really awesome cause. I mean, if it's just so easy to grab this aluminum can instead of a plastic bottle, and we're still going to have healthy oceans for our kids and grandkids, then do it. So hashtag death to plastic. And uh, you can find more about Liquid Death on our Instagram page and in our Facebook group. And we thank them for their support of the Metal Rock and Whiskey Show. Okay, so what, tell me, you guys. We, we discussed this a little bit before we started. We, we need to stop doing that. Um, <laughs> w- what is your relationship to Stone Temple Pilots? Um, you know, I know you guys are younger. When did you become a fan, if you are, and start listening to them? Dave, what about you?
3: Um, <clears throat> it was actually the core album. Um, accidentally... Uh, it's it was like what uh what Matt did last uh, last time we talked. Uh, I went to my brother's room and I went through his CDs.
1: Oh yeah.
3: <laughs> and uh, I I was the like nosy little brother. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, I know oh, all yeah. about those. Oh, and,
3: and and he knew. He knew I went through his stuff. But oh, I any everything. any right. any yeah. astute any astute older brother would know. Yeah. Oh Jeff. yes, he knew. Beat <laughs> my ass, but uh, yeah. It was. <laughs> <laughs> true that was my first time and i, and I heard um i heard core and I, I had not really heard anything like that at that time because i was like um i don't know i hadn't really i hadn't still really developed any musical taste at that point yet mm. anything was game anything was game at that point gotcha. and i liked it yeah i liked it
1: matt what about you
2: Well, this is going to come as a surprise to some listeners, I would think. But I actually don't have any kind of relationship with this band. Um, It was all radio play. Um, You know, my brothers didn't necessarily listen to it. They didn't own the CDs. Um, It was one of those things where later on in high school and I would hear the songs on the radio and I'd be like, I think I know who that is. It sounds like this band, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then the guy would come on after recapping what they just play and be like, OK, STP, you know, sex type thing, whatever. Um, not that I didn't recognize the talent and how uh, amazing uh, Scott Wheeland is as a performer, as a singer. Um, but, you know, I really didn't have a relationship uh, musically, you know, w- listening to them uh, as I did with other bands that we've covered from this time frame.
1: Well, this battle should be interesting tonight. Then it will be. It is interesting. <laughs> so, um, I I was in a coffee house. Oh, God, sounds so gross <laughs> saying that, but that's
0: when,
1: <laughs> that's where you would hang out a lot. Um, you know, if you were a teenager, I think I was in my twenties, probably at that point. I don't know if I was twenty one yet. Maybe that's why I was hanging out.
2: So you're house. no di- you're no different than a teenager now then. <laughs>
1: Oh, because they still do yeah that's true (laughs)
0: that's
1: freaky yeah true um so yeah i was doing i was in college you know so i was like doing homework or some shit and um i was with uh these people that i i was new either in this group of people or at school i can't remember and i really thought they were cool and i wanted to hang out with them and connect with them and this a song came on oh no you could ask you could bring in your own music and the coffee house would play it that's what it was oh, and good. yeah it was the brilliant concept because you're sure like people would Yeah, it was so smart um so this guy brought in this i don't know if it was a tape or a cd who the fuck knows and he was he puts it on he's like oh yeah yeah okay, mine's coming up, mine's coming up. This is this band, Stone Temple Pilots, and I really liked them. And, you know, he, I forget where he heard about them. And I was just like, um, I hadn't been going to shows much. And, you know, I knew these people went out and listened to live music a lot. So I was like super excited. And I heard the first song and I was just like, okay, you know, um, it was core. And I was like, it had just, you know, he's like, oh, they just came out, blah, blah, blah. And I wasn't sure if I liked it. I, there was something about it, but I liked, but I was kind of unsure. I mean, I was really just coming off of a lot of heavy listening to heavy metal, so I'm kind of trying trying out the new music of the time, you know. I think a lot and, of people
2: felt the same way. Yeah, as you oh, did. we all, yeah. yeah it was yeah. it was
1: not an easy unless you were more like of just a rocker and not into metal. I think their transition was easier. Um, sure. So. So, I ended up going out and buying the tape or CD, whatever it was, and um listening to it, and I was like, okay, I, I do like this. I liked it. I didn't love it, but I liked it um, and so i I saw them live a few times throughout the years, um which I think they they were a great live band when I saw them. I'm sure it was like early on. Um, but they' are actually two conflicting stories about. <laughs> how Scott Wieland and um, Robert DeLeo came together, um, which, like, they would tell both stories. I don't know, it's super weird. One is that they met at a Black Flag concert, and they found out they were dating the same chick, and instead of fighting (laughs) over the chick, they broke up with her and started a band. That's a Um, better story. That's a way better story. That's pretty cool. cool. Way better story. Um, There's another story that, yeah, that they i don't know the other story is just like that they found him at a live show and really liked him but let's go with the girlfriend story um regardless they were a band um but after a few years drummer david allen went his separate ways so drummer eric kretz took over um then their then guitarist Corey hickok left in 89 um, so then Robert suggested his older brother Dean, and at the time Dean was a successful businessman. He was a musician previously, but he was not doing that anymore. Um, he was only playing as a hobby, but somehow they convinced him, and there we have the original STP lineup. Um, but they weren't called Stone Temple Pilots at first. <laughs> first they were called Swing, <laughs> then they were called Mighty Joe Young. Like <laughs> the
0: gorilla. Girl- girl- like yeah.
1: What gorilla? There's a gorilla (laughs) named Mighty Joe Young.
2: You've never seen the movie?
1: No.
3: Yeah, it was a giant gorilla.
1: No, no idea. Oversized,
3: right? Yeah. 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 Maybe maybe swing like like a gorilla? Maybe? I don't know. (laughs) I I mean it would have been cool if it was like swing, you
1: know?
3: (laughs) (laughs) That would have been cool.
1: (laughs) <laughs> okay, for all you people out there listening that are starting a band, please name your band "Swing." Yes, yes. I yes. will go see you just because of your band name. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Um, all right, so they recorded a demo tape that uh, was around 1990 as Mighty Joe Young, and um, <clears throat> these demo tracks would go on to be their first studio album, um, but it was a, a little different than... Um, than what SCP ended up being, some of the songs that didn't make it onto their future album, <laughs> and these are not my words, uh, had elements of funk and y- yodeling in them.
2: <laughs> Yo, I would pay to hear Scott wow. we- Wheeling yodel
1: though. <laughs> <laughs> Ricola, <laughs> like what the fuck are you yodeling in rock music? I don't even know what to say about that.
3: Creed, he did that.
1: Oh, gross. Yeah. <laughs> that makes me hate them even gross. more. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Actually, Sailor, this uh, band, Mighty Joe Young, uh, in homage to the Giant Gorilla, uh, <laughs> they actually played a ton of small gigs in the San Diego area.
1: Named uh, after a whale's vagina.
2: Named yes. after a whale's vagina. And actually, <laughs> speaking of band names, we'll get to that later, uh, <laughs> But until, until their first big show, which was actually supporting one Mr. Henry Rollins at the Whiskey A Go Go. Can we please do a Whiskey a Go-Go show?
1: Oh, that's such can a good we, idea. Can we, like, that- can we please keep track of the show as we keep saying we're going to do? You're responsible for notes, dude. Okay. Remember this. Yes, I would love to because the amount of bands, well, the amount of infamous things that have happened. Like, I think the first time, oh my God, what's his face from the doors? Jim Morrison turned around, um, was at the Whiskey a Go-Go, right? Because he yeah. used to play with his back to the audience. There are oh, yeah. so many whiskey stories. Yeah, let's do it.
2: And if we're gonna do a show on a venue, I mean, that would be the one but, you do.
1: And the Rainbow <laughs> yeah, Room. Oh, on the Rainbow, road. yeah. Dude, you should do both. The
3: Rainbow is awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, the Rainbow and whiskey go go for sure.
3: <laughs> All right.
2: Shortly after opening for Henry Rollins, they uh, began working on their de- uh, debut album with Brendan O'Brien. Uh, actually, during the recording, they they received a call from their lawyer. Who informed them that there was a uh, a bluesman who had already claimed the name Mighty Joe
3: Young.
1: Oh, damn it.
3: (laughs) I'm sorry, that's funny.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Step off my name, you jibba-jabba's.
2: Oh, geez. So, in in an ironic twist, (laughs) uh, it actually seems that the band members were inspired by the STP motor oil stickers. Right. Used to see around, uh, so they tried out a variety of ideas actually with the initials STP, um, like Shirley Temple's pussy. Whoa.
1: Okay, that's fucking. That's creepy. Sorry.
2: And stereo temple pirates. It's not. That's not that's too. That's not bad. that bad. Yeah. That's um, hard to say. That's hard. That's that doesn't come off the tongue. Pirates. Yeah. Could you imagine if? Allison Change was fuck and STP was Shirley Temple's pussy.
1: And Molly <laughs> Crew was Christmas.
2: was Christmas. Oh Jesus. <laughs> Man.
1: Yep. What uh-huh. a different
2: world. Hey,
1: yeah, real so- quick, do you know who Brendan O'Brien is? He so he was another one of the like guys at the time as far as record producers, because he worked with Pearl Jam. Um AC/DC, Aerosmith, The Chili Peppers, Audio Slave, Soundgarden, Rage Against the Machine, The Black Crows, um, and then, you know, started doing, like, guys like the, like, Wolf Mother, you know, more recently, but, yeah. um, I just wanted to bring him up for a minute because he was another one of those guys that was, like, pretty embedded in that sound already. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not, it, it's, and we really need to, we've talked about doing a show on the record producers before, we need to do that because it's a big point of influence on, on. Um, young bands music. I mean, yeah. you know, this has About come them. up in several bands where we've said, you know, look at Bob rock.
0: <laughs> oh, I yeah. mean,
1: you, you can make or break a band if, right. if you, you, have a certain point of influence and really also talking about the smashing pumpkins. I mean, you know, the way Corrigan was able to really mind meld with their producer. So, yeah, I just wanted to bring him Mm. up that, um, you know, he, I think, I think he was very aware of the sound that they were either trying to make or should make.
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, another, another producer with a very impressive, um, resume.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If you
2: will. So despite these, experimenting with names and with the initials stp of course they settled on stone temple pilots and thank the lord
1: mm-hmm. and thank god they're not shirley temple's pussy
3: oh my god yes that's, that's just, graphic
1: it's fucking gross dude <laughs> i mean if it was like i don't know elvira's pussy that'd be a lot more acceptable <laughs> but dude that's it's a little cool. girl what it, it though yes
0: it's
2: yeah. not a little fucking I,
1: girl dude right it's so fucking gross well i'm
2: just talking about having like like talking about a specific person's pussy.
1: Well, yeah, that's up,
2: that. It's yeah.
1: Okay, apples and oranges. We've already yeah. established that it's fucking yes. inappropriate, but at least it's not a little. Uh, so gross. now
2: you're just talking levels of inappropriate. Right. Right. Okay, maybe, exactly maybe, yeah. it's, maybe it's maybe fair enough.
1: Like what's grosser than gross? Type of situation.
2: <laughs> yes, exactly.
1: Yeah, it could be
2: the it could be the drink. Yeah. Well.
1: Yeah. It could be the... <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> the drink doesn't have a pussy. I <laughs> Well. <laughs> And the drink was named after her because that's what they would serve her. You're not making, you're not helping. (laughs) No, I'm not. Can we just stop? Let's just stop.
3: Okay.
1: (laughs) Okay. Moving on. (laughs) Get me out of this quick. Um, in 92 stone temple pilots signed with American record or American Atlantic records. And, um, core was released in September of 92. And it peaked at number three on the billboard albums charts. Not too fucking shabby for an unknown band. Um, It was a big success, of course, as we know that now. Um, It produced hits like Sex Type Thing, Plush, Creep, and Wicked Garden. Creep is probably a song about what they probably really wanted to write was a song about how disgusting the name Shirley Temple's pussy (laughs) would have been. Um, So the album was a major commercial success. But the music press criticized the band and called them grunge imitators. Um, They were said to be copying bands like Alice in Chains and Soundgarden. Um, Okay, first of all, let's just, let's just, let's talk about this for a minute. I don't, I don't see the grunge thing in Alice in Chains, one. I don't really see the grunge thing in Soundgarden. Does it have that Seattle sound? (sighs) I mean, kind of, I guess, but I guess you have to pinpoint, are we saying Nirvana is the Epicenter of the Seattle sound? Are we saying it's Soundgarden or Pearl Jam? Like that's all so fucked. Um,
2: when was Soundgarden's f- debut album released?
1: So let, let me look tells,
2: up. Yeah, someone yeah. tells me that these I were th- all released the same year. Uh, yeah,
1: they're, I think like, I think Dirt so. so and Bad Motor it was Finger. all okay. So Bad Motorfinger was ninety one.
2: Right, okay, so they did and come so, before. All right. Yeah,
1: Core is was recorded in ninety one. It's real. These are released months apart. So it's i don't know i just i don't like the comparisons number one unless you're saying like well if you like this band this is a similar style of music okay fine by the way pearl jams 10 is released in 91 as well
0: okay but so. again
1: months away it's only months away from this release it's it mm-hmm. matters not yeah
0: um
1: so uh, so yeah i i don't i don't know how i i just don't like that i don't <laughs> like that um so, do you guys remember the acoustic version of um, "Plush" from MTV's Headbanger Ball? Yes. So critics heard now it. now consider that one of Wheelan's greatest performance vocal performances and one of the best MTV vocal performances. <laughs> but whatever they they were imitators and sucks anyway
2: (laughs) or whatever did they say that after he died
1: of course who the fuck knows yeah
2: because it seems it seems like with him it seems like with him a lot of people flip the script like after he passed away i totally
1: agree well that happens so much so despite negative reviews from critics at the time obviously we know scp were wildly successful with their fans um so after this album they toured for four weeks opening for rage and megadeth and then great show (laughs) <laughs> oh, my God. I, and I, I want to tell you guys that I saw that that was a tour I saw them on. I cannot remember because I've seen Megadeth so many times, many, 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 many times. Um, I don't know. It probably was, but I don't know. Um, or it could have been their headlining tour. I would have to go back and, like, I should probably make a calendar out of this shit for myself. Like, go back and look at dates. Um, so, in 93, they did their own... Um, two and a half month American tour headlining that also, I find really impressive that they're headlining their own tour with a debut album. Um, you know, that's a big feat even then. Um, so in 93, they filmed an episode of MTV unplugged where they debuted the song big empty, which of course was a fucking instant hit. Mm. Um, then in, okay, this, (laughs) this is great. Then in 94, in a Rolling Stone poll, the band was voted best new band by Rolling Stone readers. And in the same issue, (laughs) they were considered the worst new band by the magazine's critics. Let's unpack this for a minute. (laughs) What fucking editor was so... I don't know. Like, how the fuck do you publish that? How do you not... What are you actually going to say... Are you so full of yourself that you're going to say, all you readers who, by the way, purchase our magazine to keep our jobs, you're stupid, you don't know shit, because Mm -hmm. the band that you just voted as best new band, we voted as worst new band. (laughs) If I had a subscription to Rolling Stone, I would have fucking run, I would have lit their office on fire. I would have been like, fuck you. Who the fuck do you think you are? Ugh. Ugh. That makes me want to vomit.
2: I feel like the more we plow through these '90 alt rock shows, the more I hate Rolling Stone because I feel like they. Yeah, I just feel like they're full of shit all the time. Oh, they are
1: totally. I I think they completely
3: are full of shit. Yeah, Yeah. I think
1: they've always been. I think in the '70s they were good um, because they were. I don't know. It was like a there was a different purpose to what they were doing. They were Mm -hmm. really trying to expose music. Again, like things that we've talked about, like you didn't have access to it. Music wasn't on television at the time. There was really no other outlet than the radio and rock wasn't really, um, you know, a lot of the harder, what we call classic rock now wasn't really being played on the radio. So it had a really good purpose. And then they fucking just, they lost their way and just became a bunch of pretentious, pompous Mm fucktwats. That's what I think about that. Couldn't
3: have said it better myself. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) <laughs> so, so it's months after, the group actually won a favorite pop rock new artist and heavy metal heart slash hard rock new artist at the American Music Awards, the AMAs. Somebody, li- so, somebody likes somebody likes that.
1: <laughs> right? uh, yeah.
3: So Sucking and then
1: Rolling Stone.
3: They also won on uh, to win a Grammy award for best hard rock performance for the song "Plush."
1: Again, stick it up your ass rolling stone magazine
3: yep right up so soon in the spring stp came back to the studio to record their album purple which they finished finished in less than a month and a half and then purple debuted at number one in the u.s uh inter, interstate love song which is um i remember always watching the video for that
1: oh, i love uh, I love that it song. was Mm. was a
3: huge, huge radio hit. Yeah. Uh, setting a uh, uh, record stating 15 weeks at the top of the rock charts.
1: Dude, uh, let's just uh, talk about that for one second. Sorry sure. to interrupt you. But so we say those things now, and they're kind of a little bit meaningless because it's different times in the world. But 15 weeks at the top of the rock charts is a big feat. Um. Yeah, I don't know how to explain if you're, I don't know, I think the people that were exposed to music through the radio and MTV at the time would get how impressive that is. But that is an in, that is incredibly impressive to be to stick at the top for so long is like, I don't know, it just really impresses me. And it's a really, um, it's really, I think, indicative of the time too, um that that sound could dominate i mean at the time you've got and also if you think about what else was being played on the radio so you had um green day pearl jam Soundgarden, collective soul beck rem nirvana the jim blossoms um the cranberries uh bush counting crows morrissey i mean rush these allison chains the cure like It's not like there wasn't other amazing music or or pop. I'm not saying they're all amazing or popular. Um,
2: It wasn't a dull year for music. No, it wasn't.
1: Not at all. I mean, (laughs) you had things like, and I'm going to say this without trying to, without vomiting on myself, (laughs) Hootie and the Blowfish. (laughs) So there was, I mean, you know, there was a lot of really popular and quality music out of the time and they're dominating the charts for 15 fucking weeks like that's nuts
3: right and, and, and like you said considering all those music you know all those bands coming out those albums coming out and there's train again sorry guys <laughs> um it's interesting you know what I mean that they c- continue to stay up there I mean it's like now Uh, Every week something changes with the charts because there's so much shit coming out that it's a bunch of BS. It just, it it is not going to stick, but that's quite a feat. Uh, This album uh, ended up spawning hits Vaseline and Big Empty, uh, which was also featured on the Crow soundtrack, which I remember purchasing the soundtrack. And it could have been, that was my first time uh, uh, when I heard that song. So then just four months after its release, Purple sold over three million copies.
1: That's great. It's crazy. Um, The Crow, we have talked about that um, on the show before because we did, what was it, our favorite soundtracks or best soundtracks, movie soundtracks?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And Crow, for me, I still listen to that. As a matter of fact, I was listening to it couple nights ago it's still one of my go-to favorites there's so yes. much I fucking love that soundtrack um and i remember i think i i didn't i saw the movie the first like two weeks it was out um because at the time it was like a big deal to see this movie because what's his face the way it had been killed and it was like right. It was already movie lore. like It was already mm-hmm. legendary before Brandon the movie Lee. came out. Brandon yeah. Lee, sorry. Um, sorry. And uh, so I bought, ended up buying the soundtrack before I saw the movie. Because it, it was already being played all over. It was already on MTV. All, it was already a hit. And when I heard the big empty was on I was like, oh, I'm buying that. Yeah. So um, interesting. So the opening track... Um Loungefly was actually used as a theme for MTV's news for their mm. short news break yeah. segment. Do you guys remember that? For oh, uh, yeah. years. That was, it yep. was years.
3: Yeah. They had um, the they had um, cells right before.
1: Mhm. Right. Yep, yep. So, uh, October 95, the band began recording its third album and they released that album called Tiny Music. Um, the longer version is tiny music songs from the Vatican gift Shop" uh, on March 5th of 96. Uh, okay. Uh, as with the name, the sound was Mm -hmm. very different and was okay. So as I was putting this together and doing my research, I kept reading that it was like a nod to glam rock and some type of psychedelic music. And I was like, no, it's not. And then I went and listened. Well, I listened to it and I was like, I'm totally getting what they're saying because I don't
0: mm-hmm.
1: really know how else you would describe it. I get um, the
2: psychedelic part, but
1: I get I the know. glammy part too. I you get the glam. I under- yeah. yeah, totally. Um, listen to it with that in mind and see what you think.
0: Mm, okay.
1: um, so Rolling Stone, cocksuckers who regularly dismiss <laughs> the band's music. Of course, this album, they were like, this is the band's best effort to date. Go suck <laughs> it.
2: Because um, they showed such musical range.
1: They're just sh- they're just
2: sh- it's avant-garde or whatever fucking so, kind of term exactly. they want to use. Yeah. yeah.
1: Go figure. Tiny Music was not very successful. Um, and, and things started happening with the band, unfortunately. Um, they pulled out of a Kiss reunion tour. Thank God for them. They didn't need to be subjected to that. I don't care how much they were getting paid. Um, <laughs> they toured on and off a little in 97. Um, but they ended up having to cancel the rest of their tour touring for Wheeland to go to rehab. And then the band decided to take a break. And we know what that means often.
2: Of course. And I will say though, about that album, there are a couple of good tracks on that album, um, for all its faults, Ugh. but
1: yeah. okay, yeah.
2: I guess um, yeah. the only one. All right, cool. Uh, so yeah, the bands, you know, the, the Sailor said they split up, uh, you know, probably owing to Whelan going to rehab, but then they got back together, broke up again. Uh, <laughs> there were various side projects, but were never really what we consider that STP uh, ever again. Um, and fuck, where the fuck was I when this happened? But fucking Chester Bennington was in the band?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I must have missed oh, that big time. Yeah, was, uh, I guess was I'm not. I was, yeah,
1: there was all kinds okay. of. I was gonna like kind of write it out a little bit, but it was too much. Like who? It, it was chaos. It, it just looked like chaos to me. Like the amount of people that they tried to get to fill in for this position, that because sure. there was so like there was a lot of changes um, as far as uh, staff goes.
2: Yeah, I had to. I had to just mention that because I had to do a double take. Like, okay, sure. yeah,
1: uh, <laughs> yeah. I think he was. Uh, with, didn't he record? He he recorded one song with them or something like that.
2: Yeah. Um. Of course, uh, as many of these, uh, you know, little retrospectives we do end, uh, sadly, on December 3rd, 2015, Scott Whelan was found dead of an overdose on his tour bus in Minnesota. Uh, STP released a statement noting his passing uh, in which they thanked him for his time with them and said he was gifted beyond words. Indeed. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: So we're going to leave the story, the backstory right there while we get ready for the battle um, because we are focusing on core and purple tonight. Um, But first, let's take a break because I need to blow my nose and pee. And that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe fill up my glass. (laughs) Why the hell not? Mm. And we'll be right back. and we're back okay so we are going to be battling the album core against purple and we're going to start with core uh core uh was released in 92 this album peaked at number one on the billboard heat seekers chart and number three on the billboard 200 uh yeah what do you guys think who wants to start off
0: <clears>
2: I'll, go. I'll jump Dave. at
1: once.
3: I <laughs> will <laughs> go. go. I will concede to the guess. Okay. <laughs> uh, so from the two, because we're already just going up against both of them, right? Mm-hmm. So from the two, I feel like core was that, that uh, like dirty dingy, uh, you know, I don't know. Also That's grimy it. feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it was one. Of, it's weird because it was one of those albums that's like chock full of hit songs. Yeah. Like it's it, it's not like it was one or two. It's like five or I mean it's a lot of songs that yeah. are
1: yeah really yeah. good.
3: They were smart to make it. Was it eleven songs? Uh, yeah, I think so. Twelve. 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 12, 12. 12, yeah. Twelve. Yeah. 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 So they're they're smart to make it. It's a pretty good length, I think. I think, um, I guess, minus is it wet my bed and no memory. That doesn't kind of count. So, because they're like, what, about a minute, minute yeah. and a half? Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Um,
3: but oddly enough, I found myself obsessed with listening to no memory because of the acoustic piece. Mm-hmm. Just being in love with that fucking sound because I had never heard anything like that before. Um, but I mean, you, like I said, to me, and I, I, I'm, I, I poke fun, but I don't mean anything bad by it. But now I go out to like bars and stuff, and there's all these cover bands, and like this is like dad rock now to me.
1: I know, you know,
3: like <laughs> this is like starter <laughs> material for them. Like, they, they play it, but I mean, I'd rather hear this, obviously, because <laughs> there's just like a bastardized version of it. Um, but <laughs> uh, you can't go. I don't know. For me, this is just the album. This is a kick-ass album and it's uh what do you call it no no uh no filler for me
1: mm-hmm. yeah i would agree with that for sure. Yeah,
3: i, I definitely agree with you dave
2: on the, the no filler part and i'm gonna make a comparison here okay uh for me for core um and i know some of you out there who are listening i love you all but some of you are gonna say how can you compare stone temple pilots to black sabbath well i'm going to so <laughs> what? uh yeah okay. so uh listening to the beginning of this album and in particular, the first three songs. So you got dead and bloated, you got sex type thing. You got wicked garden. It brought me back to listening to paranoid for the first time uh, at the beginning of paranoid. You have paranoid war pigs, iron man yeah. v- front loaded right yeah. out of the gate. Just kicks your ass
3: yeah.
2: uh, hit after hit after hit. So that's what I'm comparing. Okay. I'm not comparing right. the band, just comparing the albums. Um, but whereas an album like Paranoid falls off a cliff for me despite the strong start you said it Dave there's no filler here this album right. is amazing Um, it's raw it's unfiltered it reminded me a lot of the the earlier the first debut albums of a lot of their contemporaries um, yeah, exactly. which I also love you know <laughs> Um but man this is just so freaking good it's so freaking good it's Again, I will say that I made the same kind of face when I'm listening to it as I did when I first heard Dirt from beginning to end two weeks ago, when I first heard Siamese Dream from beginning to end two weeks ago. It's like, Jesus, all of this music at this time. um, I I couldn't help but put this into a bigger picture. Um, Time and and things of that nature. And uh, this is just it's a great album. It's a great album. Uh, There's not a lot of progression on here. It's a lot of um similar tones uh Mm -hmm. similar subject matter from song to song but it's just amazing it's really good it's a really really good album
1: i i mean i have to agree it's it's for a debut album i think it's phenomenal i mean the amount of the amount of hits that you got off of this um and some of the songs that weren't hits you know that i absolutely love but you know, Dead and Bloated, Sex-Type Thing, Wicked Garden, Creep, Plush. Just fucking great, great Cracker songs.
2: Man. Cracker Man, um, yeah. Cracker
1: Man, yeah. Um, just, you know, really, really good songs. Um, it. I, I didn't love... Ugh, so weird. I didn't love this... I liked this album, and I would play it, and I would listen to it, but I didn't love them at this time something happened in between 92 and 94 and it could be that I just became that I was more getting into the sound more of the nineties, you know, the early nineties how rock the trajectory that rock was going to kind of getting away from metal, at least commercial music and doing more of this, you know, it's like the classic rock of my time, you know? Um, (laughs) But uh, it's, it's impressive. And, you know, I do, I think that I definitely didn't have the appreciation at the time for their musicality. And uh, I think many people probably that that don't care for them, see them as, you know, I've I've heard it a lot, like, you know, they're like a rip off band, and they're just a radio band. And I totally disagree. And this, and I I don't think I would have argued it too hard in the past, I would have said, Well, I don't agree with that. But I wouldn't have I'd argue it a lot harder now. I mean, their musicality is, is uh, unbelievable, especially in their debut album. And, you know, Scott Whelan had a knack for being able to change his tone. He had a huge vocal range changes, his, his tone, his sound. Um, you know, he kind of used his voice as an instrument. Um, I, I think that he's, I can see a parallel between him and Cornell, being lesser than Cornell, of course, in sheer talent, but the change, the, their vocal range, and the changes in their tones, and you know, um, but it still sounded like them. You know, right. um, Whelan can make big changes in his singing, and, it, and you still knew it was him. Um, I, I really appreciated that in this album.
2: Yeah, and I think the subject matter that he tackles in this album too is, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, the stuff he's talking about uh, obviously has always been, you know issues in society but i think that uh it's almost like he's predicting the future and he can mm-hmm. it's amazing that some of that stuff is still a problem today as it was right. where he was singing about it and i think just him tackling that subject matter at that time in 92 when no one was really kind of singing about that stuff was also kind of um Edgy yeah. in a way. Yeah. 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 Like
1: sex type thing is about social injustice. You yeah. know, it's, it's about the macho behavior, the abuse of power yeah. and humanity's attitude towards attitude towards women, yeah. you know, treating women as just sex objects. Like
0: right. that
1: song is still fucking relevant today. Unfortunately. Right. Um, right. uh, I, I mean, yeah, you know, wicked garden is about the loss of innocence and purity. You know, um, Sin is about really violent relationships. Um, yes, I mean, he wasn't, unlike some other vocalists that we've talked about that wrote their own music, um, you know, they're like Kurt Cobain, is there a lot of substance in his writing? I always found it difficult to find. Um, <laughs> I think because he possibly, it's, because he was more of a poet, and so I didn't mm. really, I couldn't find the meanings, or because yeah. he just, he was more into making the music, and, you know, the the words were, he, as long as he knew what he was talking about, it was fine. And you hear a lot of musicians say that, and that's fine, you know? I mean, I'm curious, but it's fine. Uh, yeah, and I think Whelan was the opposite of that, but he, he really, um, it, it's funny because. People have said, you know, that uh, sex type thing. I remember there was this article and I forgotten about this until I was doing the the um, research. Um, Someone said that Stone Temple Pilots sex type thing could be Mike Tyson's rape defense. Transcribed into grunge. Into grunge.
0: (laughs) I (laughs) mean, it's like,
1: holy fuck. (laughs) Um, So there's a lot going on in this album. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when we move on to Purple, which uh, debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 in 1994 and remained there for three weeks, um, the album itself, um, I think that when purple, ha- so this is when I really started to like the band a lot more. And like I said, I think I was probably just a little more uh, appreciative of the sound. Um, I think they, they had channeled themselves a little bit more in this album. Um, to me, big empty is fuck, to me. That's the best song they've ever written. In my opinion, it's that song is it for me. um, Funny that track eleven, kitchenware and candy bars. It contains a hidden track named "My Second Album," and it's a parody. They were doing a parody of bands that do hidden tracks um, because they're they're always like it's songs that wouldn't usually make it on the album, and um, you know why would they include them? And so it's a the lounge song was performed by Richard Peterson, and he was a musician well known at the time who happened to be a huge fan of Johnny Mathis. And so he references him in the song and he does um, a cover of Olay, which is Johnny Mathis's Latin album. I just I found that really funny. <laughs> I just remember when the first time I heard Kitchenware, I was like, what the fuck is what just happened? What is this? <laughs> and then I did it again when I was re-listening for the show because I had it on Spotify. I had it on, you know, I was listening to it, I'm like, what? Did that just, oh, yeah, I remember this. <laughs> so what do you guys think about, I mean, you've got Meat Plow, which is an excellent song. Vaseline, which was a m- huge hit. I fucking hate that song. I cannot, I hate that song. <laughs> I cannot stand that song.
3: Um, no, yeah, no, no, it's, it's uh... a... <laughs> It's like in a, the Enter Sandman, maybe, quite possibly. Um, you
1: know they know have, a lot of, has they has have a lot of... It's
3: played just as much. It's, yeah, it reminds much. me of
1: Spoonman. When Spoonman came out, I remember yeah. going, who the fuck is this? And yeah. I was like, oh my god, it's Soundgarden. I hate that song. Like, fucking hate it. And I, and I love... You know, it's like, I thought, really, Chris Cornell could sing a phone book and I would listen to it. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> Nope. maybe i wouldn't um and that's how i feel about vaseline Loungefly is a great song interstate love song of course yeah. is an amazing song
0: yeah.
1: um pretty penny is a beautiful song um unglued is a great song but for mm-hmm. me the standout is big empty yeah i think it's so just, I think it's it so. is it's to me that i think feel like is the culmination of their sound as a band Full, total. That's the, that that song right there, they would never do better than that song, in my opinion. They had never done better until that song. Not the album. What do you guys think about there's, this
2: album? I mean, there's a clear... It's an obvious, clear progression and expansion of their sound. Um, I love what they, they fuck around with percussion a lot on this album, uh, which I love. Uh, Pretty Penny... I get, like, super, like, uh, Sergeant Pepper's yeah. Abbey Road Beatles vibes from that song. I don't know. I just imagine, like, mm-hmm. McCartney and Lennon would dig that song just because it's so cool and quirky and and kind of a, Yeah, I agree with that. K- kind of a nice, like, oh, okay, and a little break in the middle of the album. Kind of cool. Um, you know, and all the songs you mentioned, uh, even Silver Gun Superman, cool song. Unglue to me, great song. You mentioned all the other ones. Man, great album. Great album. Very, very different than than Core. Extremely different. Extremely different different than Core. But you have just as many hits. You have just as many hits. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's really different.
2: So I love love this
3: album, too. Fantastic album.
1: Dave, what do you think?
3: Yeah, I... I, I agree 100% with both of you. I I still I still definitely think Big Empty is the stand, definitely the standout. Um I don't know if I hate Vaseline as much as you do. Uh, <laughs> maybe just I t- see slight, <laughs> slightly less. But I mean nonetheless it's a hit, you know. It's, it's a hit Launchfly. Fly Interstate Love Songs fucking badass.
1: God, it's such a good song. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm unglued yeah they had such weird names too like army i know
1: well meat. i feel like meat plow is the song that um
2: it's funny because that's what i call my i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) gross no um
1: i feel like it's an underrated i'm gonna pretend you didn't say that i feel like it's an underrated (laughs) song um I kept going back and listening to it several times. Um, And then if you read the lyrics to it... He was a great lyricist, by the way. Um, And I didn't realize that until I... So when I was younger, and I had less to do in my life, I guess, I would get an album and read the lyrics and read every single... You know, Back when it was albums, you had liner notes, read it from front to back and commit it to memory. And I knew every single... And then the older I got, you know, you're singing along, but you're not really spending a lot of time to look deep into the lyrics for most of the music you're listening to. And, of course, you're listening to so much more music the older you get. Um, So I really hadn't listened, listened or read any of these lyrics and paid attention to them. And when I really read Meat Plow, it's like it's a it's an incredible it's an incredible song. It's, it's incredibly written. And I think he was an amazing, he was an amazing writer for sure.
2: I agree.
1: 100%. So do you think it's time to vote guys?
3: I'm ready. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> we got to do
1: it. Cause we can only have do one I? unbreakable Wait, time a year. Do I have I to do, do it? Everyone. You do.
2: How come you didn't have to do it last week?
1: Because I'm the boss. Damn it. <laughs> okay. At least they let me think I am. <laughs> All right, let's do it. So we've got Core against Purple, and you can only choose one. Dave, let's start with you. Which one are you picking?
3: I'm going with Core.
1: Okay. And why does this album it has, make it has you?
3: I suppose it, it, we had to really come down to why... And I'm I'm not going to do like the desert island argument, but I think it just has more sentimental value to me. Um, And I don't know. I just like the album cover, the just everything about that album. Um, Plus it's a lot of kick ass songs. I don't know. Like it just, it just has that raw feeling where we're talking about that. Just that raw, super dirty feeling, you know what I mean? And I think it's it just stands out more than that. Especially since purple was a lot different. Maybe they're growing. Who knows what it is. But I, I, I'm going to go with core on this one.
1: Okay. Matt. You got to well, choose, man. Since
2: I can't invoke the sailor rule this week. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, normally on a battle like this where I'm so torn between two albums... Um, and two albums that I've heard from front to back for the first time, mind you, uh, although I've known the hit songs, obviously,
0: mm-hmm. right?
2: normally I would go track by track and I would check off, I'll put a check mark next to the ones I like, you know, minus next to the ones I would skip so on and so mm-hmm. forth. Um, so I did that and I ended up with the same number of check marks on both <laughs> albums, so that's not going to work. Um, so I'm over two. So I had to dig deep on this one because I had to like I had to think what do I really love in an album? Just an Mm -hmm. album in general. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, and and, no, and seriously, and going back to um, some of our older battles and older discussions and thinking about albums that we battled, and I like as much as I like progression, as much as I like. Some diversity in an album I like an album that kicks my ass As I've said it before I like an album that blows me away From the start And I like an album um, That is To steal a word from Dave, grimy, And mm-hmm. Raw So right. with that criteria I gotta go with Core Nice okay. interesting.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Well Well uh... This was a tough one, much, much tougher than I thought um, because I, you know, like I said I was never a huge fan of theirs so I just thought, well, oh, it's not going to be that hard. <laughs> here's my here's my block. I can't imagine a world without Big Empty but I love more of the songs and the sound from Core. So if I choose Core, Big Empty disappears and I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> um, so... I do it's weird because when when we do this and we've had this argument before I remember when we were doing Zeppelin and Jake was doing his Jake numbers
2: yes yes (laughs) I know you're gonna say
1: (laughs) and we kind of tried so when we started this when I had this idea for this show I didn't really signify what the like the rules of the battle as far as what are you trying to achieve when you say, I choose this album? Is it because it's your favorite over the other one? Is it because you feel like it's technically the best album? Is it because mm. you feel like it's the album itself is more complete than the other album? We've never really signified that, which I like because we we are what we do is so diverse. We don't cover just one type of music. So we've and I listened to a few shows the other day. To, and I like skipped forward to the battles to see how we explained ourselves and I'm like shit <laughs> it's not going to help me <laughs> <laughs> I have though chosen albums in the past when I listened to myself because of one song Matt you did the same thing um, I can't remember if it was Zeppelin or not um, I definitely did it in Zeppelin but I there was one album I said I have to choose it because I can't get rid of the song So it was uh, immig- for it was one immigrant song, song.
2: It was A immigrant song. song. Yeah, whatever album that was on. Because yes. that was the only good song on the album. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I just can't do without that song. Exactly. Um, I think it's the best song they've ever written, and you know how I feel about them. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. so but is that the correct way to say this album stands out over that album? And painfully the answer is no. Painfully. <laughs> because that is that one song does not carry weight over all the other songs on core together for me,
0: mm-hmm.
1: if that makes sense. No, so I feel like does. that one song would have to override all the other songs put together. For Immigrant Song, that was the case. I could get rid of ev- every other Led Zeppelin song in the history of the world and just keep Immigrant Song and I'd be fine. <laughs> so it's I feel like that's permissible, right? Um, so I'm also going to have to go with core Um, I'm sad to lose Purple because I love Interstate Love Song. I love, I mean, like I said, Big Empty is my favorite song of theirs of all time. But there's two, yeah, it does still, Big Empty doesn't override all the other songs together on Core for me. So it looks like it's unanimous. Yeah. Core wins.
2: I gotta tell you, these all 90s rock battles have Mm -hmm. been some of the closest... Toughest decisions they really have.
1: <laughs> it's tough, right? I <laughs> yeah, mean yeah, yeah. And I didn't think it would be because it's like, yeah, I liked those bands, but I wasn't like obsessed over any of them. Yeah. You know, I wasn't like crazy about any of them. I mean, when Scott Whelan died, I'm like, well, that's it's ter- it's a tragedy. Uh, obviously, it's very sad, but it wasn't like when Bowie died or Cornell died, I wasn't like, oh my uh, God. But, yeah, it
3: was a different level. Yeah. <laughs> Lemmy oh, and, and Bowie. Oh, man. dude. Lemmy. Our- yeah.
1: Please, wait, we're not allowed to talk about Lemmy. I can't. I can't do it. Um, <laughs> um, so I feel like it's been really interesting as we've been covering, doing this, we're in this month of nineties alt rock bands and it's not over yet, my friends. Um, it's been more challenging than I thought it was going to be. And I am happy to say, I have a whole newfound appreciation for a lot of these bands that we've covered and Likewise. that has been so interesting. And I posted that on my Instagram. I think it was last week or the week before. Um, I sadly for some of the bands that we've covered, I have lost my uh, taste for them. Let's say Um, Motley Crue is a perfect example. When I really went back and picked apart their music and read about, sorry, but what, garbage humans most of them are or some of them are i was just really turned off to them i mean it's still fun shit to turn on at a party you know um like oh yeah yeah like dumb <laughs> brainless music right you know but and i used to think of myself as a really big Molly crew fan <laughs> that's just not the case um that has, who else did that happen with Matt? It happened with somebody else that we were all just uh, like Ugh, oh, yeah. afterwards. Who uh, was it?
0: Met-
2: Metallica.
1: Oh well, not.
2: Uh, <laughs> that's a whole
1: complex issue. There's the old Metallica and the new Metallica. Yeah. The old Metallica is still my favorite band in the history of the world, and there will be no other. The old, the new Metallica can suck one. Um, but back. yeah.
0: <laughs> Bob Rock
1: can really suck one. So I just I I appreciate this. It's really one of the super fun parts about doing this show. Um, I I obviously love figuring out a way to pair whiskey with music. That's always been my dream since I became, uh, you know, a whiskey person. Um, but I'm really glad that we're doing this. You know, it's it's been so interesting to find appreciation. And I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, obviously, you're a little bit more intelligent as you get older, you you look at things in a different way, you learn how to appreciate things in a different way, your music taste improves. And, you know, um, you have a broader understanding, there's a lot more information out there. So I think it's a culmination of all of those things. But I do think it's also that we're doing this with a very focused lens on each of mm-hmm. these bands. Cause I really do take the week or two to just, uh, it's all I'll listen to almost, you know, I'll give myself cleansers in between, but, and mm-hmm. I'm reading about it and I'm, you know, even when I, I'm at, I take a shower and I put on a podcast where someone was interviewed or a YouTube interview or yeah. something like that. Um, so I do kind of, you know, douse myself in it. And, uh, it's been very, very interesting very interesting i have to say so far the most shocking was smashing pumpkins still that was i was very very surprised at the deep appreciation i have for that band now
2: it's just a slice yeah. of it's a slice of music and rock history that you know it's fucking amazing i wish yeah. i was and i said this off air i said i wish i was of the age where i could be there and appreciate it when it was released and not have to go back and listen to it Mm -hmm. um but just an amazing amazing time period definitely
1: i i am sad that i didn't appreciate i don't know i don't know like there's a lot of nostalgia connected to all of this as well of course it's like
2: you don't know if you're gonna appreciate it if you're at that age when it comes out yeah
1: yeah i mean i did i mean it was just music that was happening at the time and Um, we talked about this before the show, you know, you asked your brother, like, fuck, did you know that all this amazing music? And it was like, yeah, (laughs) we knew like the late eighties, I was very aware. We we were all very aware. We were living in an amazing time in music, um, especially for metal and punk rock and, um, like new wave, British new wave, all of that. We knew that it was, Mm -hmm. it was all new and amazing and, um, I, I, yeah, the 90s, um, yeah, I mean, we knew that, like, pretty much everything on the radio, well, let's say the majority, was really good music. You know, like, now, I can't even listen to modern radio stations, because I'm like, what the fuck is, you know, I, I'll it's
2: pick up it's a terrible.
1: few <laughs> new, but it's yeah. just, and it sounds like an old person thing to say, but, yeah. and it is an old person thing to say. There's been some really super cool studies done on why. People are like, I can't listen to that music now. However,
0: <laughs>
1: you know, there's a lot of interesting things. Like my parents, for example, um, my mother and my father, who's now deceased, um, were big into, you know, rock you know, now it's called a classic rock, you know. Um, they both went to Woodstock. My dad saw Jimi Hendrix live. I mean, my dad went to the Fillmore in New York and San Francisco and saw pretty much everybody. Like, he nice. see, he saw The Who, like, and my mom was, you know, same. She liked the same music. She was into Sabbath and Zepp Big, huge Zeppelin fan, Deep Purple, all that. And my stepdad has an amazing um, taste for music. Yeah. They do you know, like if I'll, I'll bring up these bands that we're covering and they're they're like, Oh yeah. My stepdad's like, Oh, I love that. And that's like a (laughs) band like way after his time, you know what I mean? But he's like, yeah, it reminds me of so-and-so and so. And And I'm just like, um, I wonder if I were to play him like what is on the top of the charts right now, would he feel the same way? I don't think so. (laughs) I don't Mm -hmm. think so. I think there was still a thread connecting, the music from the 60s 70s and 90s yeah. 70s 90s and then it, yeah. it broke in the 2000s it just, i agree
3: with that yeah. it was like
1: cut off did you notice and that there there's a separation
3: did you notice that there's these bands like in the early 2000s that sounded like creed and they kept going with that fucking formula still to this day they're still doing that bullshit
1: yep.
3: they still keep those same vocals they still they've not deviated from that style of rock or the formula and they're still selling, and it's disgusting to me, man. It's sad. So I know exactly what you're saying.
1: See, to yeah. me, bands like Lincoln Park and Matt and I are gonna have a fucking fight on the mats about this one day, probably. <laughs> just <laughs> that, and that was the beginning of the end. I remember hearing it and going, and it was on MTV every five seconds, and I just thought, oh. Yeah. And then corn, and I was like, oh no. <laughs> Corn,
2: corn, I will.
1: Terrible.
2: Corn, I might. Corn, I might fight you on. Oh, Lincoln Park, I will not though. Oh
1: God, corn to me is want and Slipknot. Like I, these bands make me want to vom. Like if you ever want to like tie me up and make me listen to music to piss me off or torture (laughs) me, forget Nickelback. I mean that's all right. Slipknot,
2: I will fight you on.
1: Slipknot, Slipknot, corn, Lincoln Park. Uh, vo- I will like voluntarily puke everywhere. It's like an auto Wait, response.
3: Really, you're, you're putting
2: Slipknot and Lincoln Park so, in the same sentence. So, yes. You know, yes.
3: So yes. like on. the silver the silver lining with these bands, <laughs> which for me, because <clears throat> this is how I see it, I say like there's levels. Um, I think these guys are like starter bands. Uh, so for people who are not sure about heavy metal, Slipknot, Corn. Ugh. Those are those are good starter bands for them to see if they're gonna want to go in that direction or not, right? But they had they always talked about different topics and different, uh, I guess, what was it like child abuse and you know like sexual you know being yeah, molested, and
0: yeah,
3: and just different things. So at least they talked about certain things as well, but and they got other people into metal, and so to me that was my only thing that. I would appreciate from them, but I don't, I can't stand those bands. Uh, More like, I guess I'm past it or I don't know. I don't know what you want to say, but uh, I appreciate them for what they're worth at least that, you know what I mean? So I'm not going to bash them too much, even though I don't like them. I'm not going to listen to them and that's pretty much it, but they're good for something.
1: (laughs) I mean, these, these all came out at the same time like similar time i you yeah, know so i think that's part, why right? it was like 2002 like 99 2000 2001 whatever 90, i think that's
0: you no, know, no, that, yeah but nobody yeah.
1: no i haven't nobody they weren't on mtv until they that they weren't that popular until the early 2000s so, i mean like being oh, yeah. well 99 is what that was the album and so there it was november so like i said 2000 um it just to me was a dark fucking time in music. It was a time when I just yeah. was like, oh my god. And I agree um, with you. That Britney was the dark Spears ages. And yes. Ag- it was your choice. Was Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, dark and corn. then, Corn, <laughs> Linkin Park, and Slipknot. And I'm just in like, I'm gonna no, fucking not even no. Use a Slipknot.
2: Listen, there are a lot of there were a lot of worse rock bands. Don't even mention Slipknot and Corn because there were a lot of worse shit that was there.
1: But that's what was popular, like the top of the Dude, charts. You're, the
2: you're time. skipping over a whole Ooh, bunch of fucking. What band. am I skipping over? Like One biscuit.
1: Oh my Limp god, so fucking I,
2: biscuit. Kid I, Rock. Like...
1: Because that goes without saying who that goes without, go saying. without saying. Obviously those aren't bands that are well respected. That's music that got popular. Nobody really knows why they do well, but nonetheless they do well, but Corn and Slipknot and Lincoln park are well respected for some reason. So that's why I'm making the differentiation. I'm saying that the that. music that is the most well respected of that period, I think is some of the worst music. Do you see the difference? Like, nobody was like oh Limp Biscuit is their amazing musicians and you know like <laughs> it, it, it's it, they weren't well respected they were just or popular right yeah I mean that was it was garbage you know Budweiser music mm-hmm. I, I'm just saying that the, the <laughs> top of the top the the cream of the crop at the time to me is fucking garbage so that's when I was just like if this is the cream of the crop if this is the shit that's well respected and people think it's in, you know a great time in music and all this shit fuck and i was right i'm like we're doomed and i was right because then saint anger came out after I that can
2: never i can never remember any anybody ever saying it was a great time in music i can Somebody, never remember anybody saying the that
1: kids, the teenagers then must have thought it was a great time in music don't you think not the not kids my group. The, no way <laughs> oh, i don't know anyway yeah.
2: i mean jesus I mean, like I'm I said, it was a,
1: and grumpy about it as
2: far as know, a, a, for someone who was who was a huge Metallica fan. Ninety nine to two thousand three when I was in high school, dark ages of fucking rock music, mm-hmm. dark ages,
1: terrible, dark ages. Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. All right. Let's wrap this shit up. I think I've complained enough for the evening. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Well, thanks as always for sticking around, listeners. Uh, we hope you enjoyed that discussion as much as we did, as much as we always do. You can always find us on Instagram, of course, and Twitter at Metal Rock Whiskey. And we also have a super cool Facebook group. Yes, we do. So cool. That still exists. <laughs> it's so cool. Um, <laughs> of course, um, under our name, Metal Rock Whiskey, and follow us individually. You can find me. At the Whiskey Obsessor on Instagram. That is Whiskey Save the E. You can find uh, fellow Spirit of Rock Podcast Network show Wrestling with Respect. That is at Wrestling with Respect on Instagram as well. Sailor.
1: You can find me as Sailor Retro all over the internet. And you can find the Spirit of Rock Podcast Network. Um, We are on Facebook and we are on Instagram. And I think our group now... Didn't I change the name of it? Or You did. Group? I
2: apologize. Yes, it is. So I it think is it's Spirit of Rock Podcast. Group. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: But if you are already, um, you know, a member of it, it's nothing changes for you. Just in case you're wondering. Um, yeah. And then Ed, you can find as Bourbon Geek. And Dave, how about you?
3: Yeah. So on Instagram, uh, it's at opeth1983. Uh, we are also on uh, Facebook, That Metal Podcast um, I think I'm still on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> they might've thrown some sort of copyright license at me and like punished me or something. Uh, so we He's were having
2: there. us all, that's the time. fine.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all the
2: time.
3: So far for the course.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> but, uh, also wanted to add that, uh, that metal podcast also is on, the Stitcher. Uh, and, um, what was the other one? Yeah, we're on Spotify. We are on iTunes. I'm trying to remember the other one here. Let me see.
1: Usually <laughs> I just is... say wherever you can find your podcast. Tune
3: in. Tune in radio. Tune in, Tune in radio. Okay. Oh, awesome. All right.
1: We're on Tune yeah. in also.
3: We are?
1: Yeah, and iHeartRadio. We're oh. on a gabillion. Yeah. I can't even I'm keep saying, up anymore. I'm saying
2: that because I put a story up on Instagram about where you could find us, and I don't think I put Tune in on there because I didn't know.
1: Well, you got to just Google us, dum dum.
2: I did. I didn't see too And then
1: all that stuff comes up.
2: <laughs>
1: anyway, listeners, if you love us or even just like us, hit that subscribe button and give us a review, please. As a matter of fact, how about this? For the next week, I am going to track all of the reviews and I am going to choose somebody. And they are going to get something very special. I don't want to say what it is yet because we have lots of new merch coming in. And I've just gotten a load of whiskey samples. um, And I've got other cool things as well um, that I could give away. So I'm going to do a giveaway. Um, Reviews make a difference because it helps us stay relevant Mm. in the so-called charts um, for podcasts. And it, it helps us with sponsors and things like that. So we would really, really appreciate it come and of course tune in next week for another episode of metal rock and whiskey and again um you're going to see the spirit of rock network logo now and all our shows are under that heading metal rock and whiskey will stay on wednesdays as always and uh last but not least fuck you rolling stone magazine
3: yeah yeah fuck you fuck you
1: bye-bye This podcast is edited by Ed Dersh, produced by me, Sailor Retro, with research by Matt LaRusso.